Hello, and welcome to Eyes and Vibes, the soccer podcast where we talk everything USMNT and sometimes more. I'm your host, Trevor Hickman, alongside my co-host, Blake Whitty, and today we have the exciting opportunity to interview an up-and-coming U.S. dual national goalkeeper who recently signed with Real Madrid and is now in the Madrid Academy with RSC International FC in the Spanish Third Division. This player is none other than Guillermo Ruiz from Austin, Texas, and we have the pleasure of interviewing him today. Guillermo, welcome to the show, bro. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, very, very much. That was a very sweet introduction from you. <laughs> just for you, bro, just for you. Thanks Thank for taking the time to come on today. So uh, go ahead and uh, give us some background on your soccer path in Texas. <sighs> wow. Um <laughs> So I moved to Texas from Madrid when I was nine, when I was nine months old. Um, and, uh, I, I didn't play much until I was five years old. And then at five years old, my parents put me into like a, a camp just cause they were busy and loved it from that point on. Um, when I was five, I joined or six, I don't know. I joined I nine sports. I did a season with them again, just, again, like a five or six year old kid does just playing around, having fun. And then at seven, um, I was kind of trying to take it a little bit seriously and well, not seriously. Like I wanted to play like organized. Right. And, right. Um, and Lone Star SC, Lone Star soccer club had a, a junior Academy and I joined it. I was there for five years. Um, I went up to, I moved up to select. I played select soccer for them. Um, I was, I mean, I've been on, God, I, I was in Lone Star for like 10 years, 11. I was in their academy for a long time. Were you always a goalkeeper? Um, junior academy, I was a goalkeeper and striker. Um, my, <laughs> one, of my, one of the strongest points of my game is my, my, um, my right foot. I have a, I'd like to say a pretty good right foot. So being able to have a, good, like a powerful shot when you were younger, and plus me being so tall, it was it was just a breeze, just to blast the ball past a goalkeeper. Like it was fine. And then whenever I got to the select level, they told me like you got to pick like be a goalkeeper, a field player. And I was like, no, nah, I want to be a goalkeeper. I, I like being in the mud. Um, <laughs> so I was I went through the academy, and then when I was thirteen, DA Lone Star got a DA program, and I joined the DA, and I was on the DA up until COVID hit, and. And then the year before COVID, 2019 summer, was my first ever trial. I went um, Leeds United, saw me play at the, um, at the summer showcase that DA held every year in California. Um, they had a scout there that watched me play, and he invited me out to a trial at Leeds. And I went to that trial, got rejected. They told me, you're good, but in Europe, you're nothing special. And I was like, okay, that's fair. And I came back, I came back to Austin, played two years for Lone Star. And then, um, yeah, I mean, in Texas, that's about it. When, if we go, if we wanted to go like past, like then like all the complications I had and going forward in my career, then that's a whole other topic. But yeah, I mean, just 12 years at Lone Star, that's, <laughs> that about wraps it all up. That was me in Texas. Fair well, enough. Good, 
Yeah, yeah go ahead, fair enough, indeed. Yeah, and I just wanted to pipe in real quick, Guillermo. Again, thanks so much for joining us here today. We really appreciate having you. Um, and my question was sort of going off Trevor's a little bit, and um, as you were just talking about your experience at Lone Star, um, can you describe the differences a little bit and maybe some similarities as well um, in your time at Lone Star and now um, playing in Spain and your experiences over in Spain? <sighs> it's very, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the biggest difference is the opportunities you're given and just how much easier it is to be looked at in in Spain. I mean, there's so much, there's so much money. There's so much, they're like just the economy evolves around, like revolves around soccer. And you think about it and like in Texas, I had to, I had to pay to play for Lone Star. And all of a sudden I came to Spain and I was, I was making like, they were like paying my gas to go to training and stuff. And it was unthinkable <laughs> for that to happen. And then yeah. I mean, yeah, like you have a, um, a goalkeeper coach, a video technician, and this is all at Real Murcia. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about Real Madrid. This is Real Murcia, a, a small club in the South. They had a video technician. We had um, a physical preparator. We had a head coach, an assistant coach, a goalkeeper coach. Um, like we had all this stuff, all these resources that I I had never ever been used to and i think that was the biggest difference um in coming to spain and coming to murcia at the beginning yeah that's no, really sure. cool did you did you always want to move to europe or was that something where it just kind of came to fruition uh and you said hey let's take the opportunity it was a mix um i had always thought like having a spanish passport i always thought like what if i did move to spain what if i did try my luck there playing soccer and I did try my luck when I was 13. We did um, a lot of my friends, actually a lot of guys that were, went to Lone Star, we did a tournament in Spain through another program called Inspire Soccer. And we played against Granada's Academy, Deportivo La Coruña, um, Atletico Madrid. We played against, again, top academies. And I did pretty well. And I was like, dang, like maybe I can be at this level. And then whenever I graduated high school, well, <laughs> that's when it gets complicated. Um, I took a gap year, and in that gap year, I didn't know what to do. And I had a few contacts here in, in Spain, and they got me trials at, like, um, let's say, ECNL level in Madrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my grandma's always lived in the south of Spain, in Murcia. And so I was visiting my grandmother, and in preparation for those trials that I had, I... Um, I went to a field in a small town, a, ta- a town of 50,000 people. I went to a small field. I was kicking a ball against the wall, sending long balls with my left, right foot. And out of nowhere, just this scout comes up to me. And he's like, hey, what's your name? Who are you? I've never seen you around here. I spoke to him. I told him about my story. And he was like, all right, let's do a training session. I want to see how you, how you play. We did one training session. He told me, look, I, I work with an agency. We think you have potential. We want to put you into a, into a team here. And I was like, I mean, I'm taking a gap year, have some trials in Madrid. And there, and he asked me about the teams and he said, this isn't anything like that. This is MLS, like the equivalent of MLS next to the US. He was mm-hmm. like, we're going to put you in the league. And I was like, 100%, let's do it. And I got put into Real Murcia. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's just history from there. It's just been a crazy year. That's awesome, bro. Yeah, That's that awesome. is. That is. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, I, I guess another question I would ask is, um, 
who do you model your game after goalkeeper wise? Because when, when you went that direction, you know, there, there had to have been someone in mind or someone that inspired you. And who would that be? I mean, I think because of my height, I kind of like to model it behind Courtois. I like his style of um, of smothering. I like his like his one v one style. I like how big he makes himself. Um, I think there's also a few elements of my game that I like to involve. From um, I, I don't know why I love watching him play so much, but um, Robert Sanchez, I love watching oh, him. Oh yeah, okay. And I, I've I've loved his style, and I've kind of been getting into sort of that type of style. But then playing with my feet, um, Ter Stegen. Uh, you want to be a Ter Stegen with your feet, or or an Ederson even. Oh, yeah, I thought you, I might bring up Ederson. He uh, he seems to play with his feet a ton. That seems to be kind of the new style in Europe. Is is a goalkeeper that can use their feet. They're like a an attacker almost. When you when you look at the game tactically, having a, having that eleventh player on the field for a build out process. It's it's it gives you advantages that you don't even that are unreal. It gives you numerical advantages within your box, within triangles in the midfield. It makes it makes the press have to go to an extra. It it just makes everything so much easier having a player that can play, having a goalkeeper that can play with his feet. And I think that was my biggest struggle coming to Spain was adapting to that and getting used to playing out. But once I did get used to it, I I would like to think that I'm I'm a I'm a pretty comfortable goalkeeper when it comes to playing out of the back so so yeah i mean ederson robert sanchez ter stegen obviously a little bit but not much but mainly courtois i mean him being the best goalkeeper in the world yeah you got to want to be like courtois at some point for sure man for sure and um my next question guillermo um you might have even answered with this with what you just said but um go ahead and ask anyways um is there a particular real madrid senior player um that you would like to play with the most and um if it is courtois maybe any others i mean i'd love to train with courtois i don't yeah. know how to, i don't know how to <laughs> that's fair yeah tr- yeah <laughs> but, um, but i think kamavinga kamavinga is mm-hmm. that one player that you see him play and he's he's nine he's one year older than me yeah. and you see him play and it's just God, how does he do that? Mm-hmm. That player for me is somebody that not only do I, do I see it as like the most attainable because again, I don't, you have to be realistic with your life. I don't know if I'm ever going to get to play alongside Benzema or stuff like that, but mm-hmm. I definitely do dream about the day that I get to play out of the back and play Kamavinga or have Kamavinga cut a, a counterattack. It's just, it would be unreal. So I think Kamavinga would definitely be one of those players that I think about like, dang, he'd be a sick teammate to have. That's so sure, cool. Man. Have mm-hmm. you uh, have you been to a Real Madrid game when you've been in Madrid and uh, or, or a practice or anything like that? I went to one game when I was. It was the 2011 2012 season opener against Valencia. How old was I then? I was probably like what seven or eight, something like that. I was in, I was going into the fourth grade. Um, I just rem- I remember. It was in the Bernabeu, and I saw Ronaldo, I saw Casillas, I saw Pepe. I saw just this team that you looked at them on TV, and it was just, I don't think anything can, can beat that. And that, that's definitely one of my, my biggest core memories. So, yeah, I mean, that game I saw in, the, in Madrid, and I saw them play at the Rose Bowl in Dallas one time. 
But um, but yeah, official game. The only time I've been to a Bernabeu was when I was seven or eight in 2011, 2012. Wow. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. And um, I guess shifting gears a little bit too, um, you know, since we are USMNT podcast here, um, I just <laughs> wanted to hear your thoughts, you know, on the uh, the current US roster. Um, if, you know, you've been keeping up with uh, the squad and sort of what you think of it. And if so, if you have a prediction for uh, how the World Cup's going to go. Dang, that's such an interesting question because the thing is like, you hear before, like I feel like four or five years ago, it was it was easier to keep up with the USMNT just because mm-hmm. it was like two or three guys in Europe that every time made it, and then the rest was MLS. Mm-hmm. And being from and and the United States, you hear about it a lot more now. I mean, you follow these Twitter accounts, like the the Twitter account that posted me and that I talked to. They post a different post about a different American every day, and it's just like how how is there so many of us like making yeah. it out into Europe? It's love to see it, but at the same time, it makes you wonder like who's gonna get called up. Um, I think that I definitely analyze the goalkeeper position more, um, and analyzing like the goalkeeper position, like there's just so many good goalkeepers out there right now, and especially like my age or a bit older. I mean. Damian Lass at Austin FC, he's an amazing goalkeeper. I love watching him. I, I saw him play a few times with Fulham. Hmm. Um, Jaturu Odunze as well. What a what a goalkeeper. Yeah, Lester. I mean, yep. you got, exactly. I mean, you got Gaga Salina. I mean, these are all people that you watch them play and you're like, dang, I want to be like them. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm, I'm not on their level. I'm, I'm not saying I'm on their level at all, but I'm getting close to that. And it's, it's so sick to see that. But um, in for the for the World Cup, I don't really care how we do in the World Cup. I just want to be England. I want to be fair, man. <laughs> oh, I'll agree with you there. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> that's that's all I want. And I mean, beating England guarantees us making it out of the group. And if we make it out of the group, I think uh, I would be very very happy and proud of the U.S. with a with a quarterfinal, with going out in the quarterfinals or something like that. But I think that. 2026 is the is US's year, man. I mean, home court advantage. You got so many young players that are going to be pe- like reaching their peak. I mean, who knows, man? 2026. You, you, you could be on the fringe year. at that point. You never yeah. know. <laughs> if it is, man, I'm that'd be insane. But <laughs> I don't know. It's definitely it's a dream of mine to play for the US. It's just. The competition right now with my age is is unreal. I mean, again, Gaga being signed for 15 million euros or pounds or whatever is just unreal. But but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of my opinions on the on the goalkeeping situation with the USMNT right now. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, who staying on the national team front? Who's your favorite national team player? If you had to pick one, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it hard on you. <laughs> Uh, that's that's such a that's such a hard question. Damn, y'all y'all had some good questions planned for me. Damn, <laughs> y'all making me think. Just try to put you on the spot. Oh yeah, as a keeper, you need to be. There you go. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely being put on the spot. Holy, um, I gotta say, my favorite player to watch when he was active was Pulisic. Oh, not Pulisic. I'm Giorena. 
I loved watching him. Yeah. Play. Yeah. Rain, in my opinion, was just unreal talent. I remember his debut goal for Dortmund. I mean, he just wrapped it in the top bins. And I, was, yeah. I just thought, like, yeah. God damn, this kid's in Sierra when he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer mm-hmm. for sure. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Blake, do you have another question or? Yeah, I do. I do actually, Trevor. Um, um, so Guillermo, um, I know this might be thinking ahead a little bit and I think you've touched on these a little bit, um, but just more specifically, you know, since you do have that eligibility, um, to potentially represent Spain or the U S um, could you like walk us through like what kind of factors, um, that you would consider most important in sort of making that decision on who ultimately to represent? Oh, see, the thing is, um, not a lot of people know this as well, but I also have a Uruguayan and Mexican nationality. Okay. Oh, we were, we were, okay. We tried to do our research beforehand yeah. on this, but transfer market only goes so far. <laughs> no, again, this is public. Um, none of the clubs I know that I have worked with have ever known this about me just because it's easier to register me as simply a Spain player because mm-hmm. of all the legality and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. but my dad's Mexican, my mom's Uruguayan and I'm Spanish. So I have those four nationalities. Um, and again, I feel American. I was raised in the U S I'm Austin. I'm an Austinite like through and through. I, I love Austin. I love the U S like if I want to represent any country, it would be the U S the thing yeah. is, whoever calls first, <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Um, I was, I was, um, I got my Uruguayan nationality, my passport recently, because I was hearing some, some people around me were saying that there was a possibility that the Uruguay U20 team was looking at me and um, it didn't end up going through, but like having those options, I've always told my family, my friends, they all know this. I mean, I, I get a senior call up from Mexico, Uruguay, Spain, and the U.S. I'm saying yes to the U.S. every day of the week, just because of I want to make history with the U.S. If the, even just getting a call up would be unreal, but if I do get that call up, making history with the U.S. would be my bit. I, I could I could win the 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 treble with Real Madrid. I could do I could accomplish everything the greatest thing for me to do like the my greatest wish in my career would be to win a world cup with the u.s that would be that's phenomenal my big love to hear it yeah wow uh if there so guillermo if there's one piece of advice you could give to other young players who one day want to move abroad what do you think it would be The biggest thing I think is getting your name out there, being known, um, and also going to Europe, actually going there. Even if it's just like a camp, doing a camp with let to go to Madrid or doing um doing anything, just go to Europe and make sure you have a connection in Europe. Because playing in the when it comes to the youth level, U19. I look back on my phase in the U S and I look back on playing in Spain 
and there's a difference. Like the Spanish players are definitely a little bit better. But when I look at my ECNL U19 team, I look at them and I think 80% of these players or more could play in Spain perfectly. But the thing is, getting your name out there is the hard part. And I think that when you when I look back on it, I think that there's so many people that if you just go to Spain and you, I don't know, do a camp, do do anything, just get your name out there and make sure you have a connection there. Again, I knew a little I knew a coach and he helped me get trials at the ECNL level in Spain in five clubs. If I wanted to, I could have done them and I would have taken it over any, like I would have taken it if it was my only option. But the thing is like getting, getting your foot through that door is the hard part. Once you get your foot in the door, once you're in Europe, in Europe, you'll be seen because I could have never imagined ever signing for Real Madrid ever in my life that I think I would sign for this club. But the thing is, Spain is a country the size of Texas with four times the amount of scouts that the U.S. has. Like Real Madrid has a scout in every single state of Spain. There's a scout in Murcia, Andalucía, Galicia, like everywhere. So if you're a good player, if you're a player that's doing well in Spain, people know about you. Yeah. And the thing is that that is... This. What you need is to get your foot in the door, play there. doesn't matter what level you play at. If you're good enough, you'll make it. Or if you're good enough, you'll be seen. And that's the difference. That's the biggest difference between Spain and the U.S. I know so many players in the U.S. that are insanely good, but didn't make it because they, they couldn't afford to play DA, to play ECNL, who lived too far from an MLS academy, who who couldn't drive 45 minutes to training every day. Those, those struggles that people in the U.S. deal with, people in Spain don't. And I think that's why going to Spain and getting your foot through the door is the most important thing to do. So that's, that's my advice that I'd give anybody trying to go to Europe. Just, just get your foot through the door. Wow, that, man, that's a great answer. And um, I sort of wanted to go off of that. That made me think, Guillermo. Um, and you talked a little bit about this at the beginning too, about the differences. Um, is there anything like in particular that you think that the U.S. Soccer Federation should change? Um, about you know how the youth system is ran to maybe make it a little more easier for some of those guys to get recognized over in the U.S. Have more age ranges and teams through you. And the most important thing is if you want American players playing professional soccer, the youth system has to have a U23 team and they have to have a, a, like a stepping stone from the U19 to the pro league. Because the issue with the U.S. right now is that college does not prepare you to go to the MLS. It does not prepare you for the MLS. It prepares you for the USL level. And the thing is, in Spain, after U19, you jump one year. You do one year of college level, which is Tercera División, and then you jump straight into USL, and then you can be at the MLS in three years. The stepping stones that the US has are not working, and it's not working for anybody. 
because I mean, I could, I could have ran about this for so long, but I mean, you look at college players and you think, wow, these guys are so raw and so big. But for example, SMU had a 26 year old player playing for them. Wow. And you think, how, how is that possible? How can you be an 18 year old player fresh out of high school saying, I want to play professional, but I can because there's a guy eight years older than me playing in my position. That, that, that can't be a thing. They, the stepping stones and the age ranges that go up the ladder have to be reset. Because again, I've said it before, I'll say it a million times. When you look at top U19 MLS academies, top U19 Spain academies, they're almost par. The changes in level and where the drasticality comes into effect is the stepping stones going forward. College, unless you are a national team level player or you are absolutely unreal, you're not playing as a freshman and you're very luckily playing as a sophomore. You're wasting two years of development and then you're what, 2021 playing at a level that in Spain, 18 year olds are playing. Boom. There you go. You're done. There's no way you're making it to Europe now at that point. Yeah. The most you can achieve is that. Because you see it in so many people that get drafted into the MLS, redshirt seniors, they're 23 years old, 24. Okay, great. You're at that level. Nobody from Spain or the Europe is going to sign you if you're 24 playing at a level that they expect people that are 20 or 19 to be playing at. So I think that's the biggest issue with the U.S. with the U.S. Soccer Federation. It's not even, and then just giving opportunities to people. People don't have opportunities in the U.S. and they're overlooked completely. Again, I I could rant about this forever. I think that there's a lot of flaws, but the frustrating part is seeing that the talent is there. It's just the system that's not working for the players. Well, you seem really informed about it, I will say, mm-hmm. and, and all the points you make have very statistical backed, um, you know, reasoning behind it. So definitely appreciate you going off and talking on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll conclude the interview here with just a, a fun or a little bit, you know, less in-depth question. Um, well, it, it might be. We'll see how you answer it. Uh, and then that is something that <laughs> I wonder this every single time I see a goalkeeper and it gets to penalties and goalkeepers go t- one of two ways on this. If you face a penalty, would you prefer to go off notes or in the moment instincts? In the moment instinct, trust your gut hundred percent all the time. Gut knows. The gut, your gut will know notes. Statistics are great. They're great to have statistics. Sick. If your gut, if you deep down, you know, this player is going to switch it up, do what your gut feels you because you can't dive. You can't 100% throw yourself at a ball. If you're not following your instinct, it's just the way it is. Like if my instinct is telling me to dive right, but my notes tell me to go left, I'm not going to dive hundred percent to the left because my, my body is telling me go right. You're not going to make the save if you're not going hundred percent. That's why I always say, trust your gut. Trust it every time. That's awesome. Well, Mm -hmm. you've definitely trusted your gut in moving to Madrid and going through this whole process. And we really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Um, I I can speak for Blake and myself when I say, we'll definitely be cheering you on as you go forward into the next season and beyond. Um, Thanks again for coming on. And uh, who knows, maybe we can get you back in a year or two and, and hear about your progress. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, I would love to. 100%. Always down for whatever. <laughs> Fantastic, dude. Fantastic. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. And uh, most importantly, keep vibing. <laughs>